the Lee Evie K-Drama Podcast. My name is Lee Evie and I'm an author of historical fiction set in old Korea. Mainly, I'm an obsessive K-Drama fan and since I have no one to talk to about it in real life, I'm going to talk to you. So strap in for my K-Drama show. everybody and welcome to episode 37 of the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast Show. Um, I'm really, really excited to have you all here this week. It's a pretty big special week for me um, because my second historical fiction novel called A Song for Lonely Wolves has been released into the world. So I'm feeling <laughs> both joyous and crazy, if you can imagine that. It is such a weird time like I can't explain how happy and excited I feel but I'm not gonna lie there's a level of absolute terror (laughs) and fear as well it's always um it's always just a little bit like that I think um when you bring out something new into the world and you don't really know how people are going to feel about it um but anyway that was a, a weird start to my episode basically um this week there is going to be I guess a little bit of break of a break in my my normal formatting um I'm still going to be talking about k-dramas and Korean movies as well um but I'm going to be talking about them more in the context of the very specific shows and movies that have really really in inspired me um, when I was writing this novel, A Song for Lonely Wolves. And I guess realistically, I'm kind of using this episode as a bit of a personal milestone celebration um, for for myself, <laughs> because I'm very, very happy and excited to have finally published my second historical fiction novel. Um, so I guess I just want to say a huge thank you for listening to this episode. I know it's probably going to be a little bit weird and a little bit different to my normal ones, but I really hope that you bear with me and I hope you give it a go and I hope you get something out of it. I hope you enjoy it. Um, so I'll be talking a little bit about the format of the episode um, in, in a while, but just before that, um, there's kind of two points that I wanted to talk about. Um, two things about being a writer that I I kind of wanted to explain and then really excitingly um, I do have some shout outs this week to a couple of amazing listeners um, who've contacted me um, during the week that I really want to talk about. Um, so to get started I guess the two things that I wanted to talk about about being a writer and about I guess publishing a book. So maybe there are some writers listening and maybe this is something you already know, but I think that it is probably stuff that authors might not talk about that much. Um, So the number one thing I wanted to mention is that it is almost impossible as a writer to describe the moment that you get to hold the finished book as a paperback in your hands. So as I'm recording this, I am currently sitting at home and I have a copy of my new novel, A Song for Lonely Wolves, and it is in my hands. And the feeling that that gives me, it's just indescribable, like the level of happiness. And I think particularly when you receive early copies of your book before the book has actually come out to the world. So before it's on sale and you can, I think, just really 
sit with it, you know, and hold it and figure out how much it weighs and look at all those pages filled with the story that you wrote. And, you know, it's really a physical manifestation of, you know, your ideas and your story that you have spent a very, very, very long time writing. So I guess I just wanted to talk about that feeling, but particularly the feeling of holding that book you know, for the very, very first time. And I think that's, it's such a wonderful feeling, I think, particularly because if the book hasn't actually come out yet, you are more concentrating just on on the actual physical copy of it in your hands and how good that feels. And you're not yet thinking about the fact that people will soon be reading it and people will be, you know, formulating their own ideas and opinions on it and doing reviews on it, which is all wonderful things that you desperately want to happen. Like every author wants to have readers, but um, it's scary. You feel very vulnerable as well. So that brings me to my second point And one of the biggest things about being an author that I feel like probably every author experiences, but I also feel that authors don't talk about it. And the reason they don't talk about it is because it's really hard to kind of see yourself in print to get to the point where you have published work. And usually getting to that point takes a lot of years and it takes a lot of effort, but it takes also a lot of dreaming of imagining how you'll feel like imagining how happy you will be or imagining that your world will be 100% better like you will be happier once your book is published and I guess the truth of it is that because I think maybe you expect it to be so wonderful you know once once you kind of get to that point I think you can be a little bit shocked by how terrifying it is like properly for serious terrifying to send your work out into the world and hope that people like it. So I've kind of been on a roller coaster this week because, you know, it started off with me getting my book and looking at it and, you know, just touching it and lifting it up and flicking through the pages and just being so happy with how it looks and how beautiful it is and how the cover is and just everything about it. Um, and then has shifted to the point where the book is published, it is available People can go and get it and that means people will be reading it and that is scary. (laughs) So it's been such a kind of up and down week but you know this is this is what I want to do and I feel proud of myself (laughs) even though I also feel very scared Um, and I guess it's a bit of a weird episode because I am talking about my historical fiction you know quite a bit this episode and I will continue to do so throughout and I guess you know if you're a listener and you're only here for the k-dramas you're totally welcome to pop along to the next episode or one of my past episodes um, and I'll be back to normal k-drama format next week. Um, But this week I do just want to take the time and, you know, celebrate a little bit. (laughs) 
Okay, so just before I get to my very exciting shout-outs, um, I just want to remind everyone who I am and also um, just in case there are new listeners to the podcast this week, um, like I said, the format's a little bit different. So if you're new and you're just here for K-dramas, um, I have a lot of backlist episodes and I'll be back to K-dramas next week. Um, but my name is Lee Evie. I am an author. I write historical fiction that is set in the Joseon dynasty of old Korea. I am endlessly inspired by the Korean dramas and movies that I watch, and that is kind of what I'm going to be talking about this episode this week. Um, so my book, Promise Season, is available now. Um, you can check that out on my website or on Amazon. And my new book has just been released this week and so is also available, which is called A Song for Lonely Wolves, and it is a detective story. Um, I'm so excited about it. Oh my gosh. Um, so <laughs> if you are interested in learning more about my fiction, you can check out my website. And if you'd like, sign up to my newsletter uh, where I'll always put information up first and updates on what I'm up to. So that is at my website, which is www.leevy.com. Okay, so this is the shout outs and I'm, I'm feeling really, really excited about this this week. It is so nice to get contacted by people who are listening to the podcast because sometimes you really feel like an idiot. You feel like you're sort of waffling out to the world and you hope that people find it interesting or it makes sense and getting emails with people telling me their favorite dramas or talking about my show to me or, you know, Instagram messages because I'm on Instagram now. Um, it really makes my day. Like I can't quite express how excited that makes me. So I've got a couple today. The first one was a really cool email that I got from a listener called Emily. So Emily has her own K-drama podcast, which she hosts with a friend. But Emily was so lovely and emailed me and told me that she'd nominated me as a favorite female podcaster for a contest that was being run for International Women's Day. Like, ee, I can't even express <laughs> how cool that is. So thank you so much, Emily. So because of this email, um, obviously I, I hadn't actually listened to Emily's um, Korean drama podcast. So it is called Play on K and it is a Korean drama review podcast called, a repeat, Play on K. It is so worth a listen. So Emily hosts it with her friend Raquel. And I think the coolest thing about this podcast is that Emily and Raquel are best friends, but they live on different continents. And so the weekly K-drama review podcast, Play on K, is their way of maintaining their friendship and, you know, keeping up contact with each other. And I just love it so much. So also, I was very, very excited about listening to their podcast, which I really, really loved um, because uh, they, they've, the most recent drama that they're working through together and discussing on their podcast is one of my favorite K-dramas of all time, Between Lovers. So I did an episode on that um, just really recently, actually. So if you listen to my episode and want to hear a different take on it, which I think I totally agree with everything they said um, about Between Lovers, um, you can def I think you should definitely go listen to the Korean drama review podcast, Play on K. 
Um, also, the other cool thing is that a lot of the Korean dramas that have already been kind of discussed and reviewed on Play on K are ones that I haven't really covered on my show here. That a lot of them are ones I haven't actually watched, but they're you know really big name popular dramas, and I don't know why I haven't watched them. It's really weird. Um, but definitely go over there for some more Korean drama fix. So that was Emily and also Raquel from Play on K. Make sure you go have a listen. It is. Such a good podcast. Okay, so the next shout out that I would like to give is to a lovely listener called Arlene. So Arlene emailed me with her drama recommendation, which she recommends for everybody. So her drama recommendation is actually a Taiwanese drama. So I'm not sure about any other listeners, but I have certainly delved into um, quite a few Taiwanese dramas over the years and I've really, really loved them. Um, So Arlene says that there is a really, really wonderful Taiwanese drama called Someday or One Day, which is a 2020 production. I think it aired at the end of 2019 and went over into 2020. And she says that it is a complex story about time travel, that it has a beautiful romance. The story is very, very well written. And she says that it it does a really wonderful representation of how depression can, I guess, lead a person to really lose hope. And she says that it is a breathtaking drama. So this is not a story that I'm familiar with. So I've gone and looked it up and I have to say it looks super interesting. So I'm just going to read out a very, very tiny little sort of overview synopsis so that if anyone is listening and this sounds like their kind of show, you should definitely go and check it out. I think I will as well. It actually sounds super good. So the show is called Someday or One Day. It's a Taiwanese drama about a woman who loses her boyfriend in a plane crash and one day suddenly finds herself in the past with a boy identical to her deceased boyfriend. So I have to say that sounds like something very heart-wrenching and moving. Um, So that was the drama recommendation from Arlene. Thank you so much, Arlene. I was so happy to get your email. Thank you. And then I'm moving on to another email that I got, this time from a lovely listener called Curlin. And she is from Miami, Florida. Very exciting. Um, And this was a really interesting email uh, for me. So Curlin says that she used to be a reader, like she used to read a lot of books, but she kind of went into a book slump. But one particular book that she remembers reading that she really loved is a book called I Believe in a Thing Called Love by the author Maureen Gu. So I haven't read this book, but I have ordered it now and I cannot wait to read it after hearing about this recommendation. So Curlin says that this book is actually, so it's an American book. um, It's a young adult fiction and it's about a young girl who tries to, I guess, create a love life for herself and get her first boyfriend based on tropes she has seen in Korean dramas. So it's kind of a melding, as Curlin says, of my two favorite things in the world, which is books and Korean dramas. So I cannot wait to read it. Um, But I think the coolest thing about this is Curlin says that this book was actually what got her into Korean dramas. It was how she discovered they exist. Like, isn't that 
amazing. Like I'm so interested by people's stories of how I guess they stumbled across Korean dramas because, you know, although I know probably a lot of listeners come from countries where Korean dramas are a little bit more you know, within popular culture and you might have them aired on, you know, your television channels and things like that. But I do also think that for a lot of listeners and myself included um, in the country that I come from, you know, there's no K-dramas on TV. You don't hear about them. No one talks about them. No one even knows they exist. So usually you stumble across them in some sort of really weird way and somehow they hook you. Um, Or, you know, maybe you have a friend who introduces you, but I certainly don't know anyone else who watches them. So, you know, it was really interesting to hear this story of how Curlin came across drama for the very first time and so I've got to do a bit of a call out now um, as well as telling me your drama recommendations if you have a story behind how on earth you first came across dramas like I would love to know (laughs) please let me know and if you want to hear my origin story um, I talked about that a little bit in a past um, episode which was about the Korean drama Dream High which was my very first ever Korean drama and definitely what got me hooked and um, you know I think I talk a little bit on that episode or at least I hope I do I think I did (laughs) about you know how I stumbled across Korean dramas um, for the very first time in you know my country where they're not really a part of our um, you know popular culture at all Um, I wish they were but they're not Um, all right so that's it for me on my shout outs this week Um, keep those emails coming I was so excited thank you so much to those people who contacted me I it means so much that that I have listeners at all and that I have people that you know want to share this stuff with me and tell me their stories I love it so thank you so much and to everyone else listening thank you so very much for listening and particularly Thank you for listening this week um, when the format is a little bit strange and I am waffling on about my writing and my fiction a little bit more than normal, even though I know that I do waffle on about that all the time anyway. (laughs) But thank you so much for bearing with me and I hope that you get something out of this episode and can enjoy it. So thank you so much. So before I get started, um, I just wanted to explain to you guys a little bit about, I guess, how I'm going to format this episode, because we are kind of going into uncharted territory and taking a little bit of a step away from my normal format and the way that I normally run my podcast episodes. Um, And I hope that you guys can bear with me. Um, I cannot explain to you how much I love stories and how much I care about writing them. You know, it is such a huge part of me in the same way that watching Korean drama is a huge part of my life. Um, Writing books is as well. It's a thing that I feel most passionate about and you know also I guess most proud of myself about too. Um, It's something that I've really stuck with through thick and thin, through some very very hard years and it's something that I really refused to give up. Um, And I think that that like now um, 
you know, seeing that process in hindsight, it is something that I feel really proud of myself about, um, that I have worked so hard over so many years. And now I'm in a position where I do get to express, uh, I guess, myself and my work and talk about my writing um, with you guys. So I really hope that you can bear with me this episode and hopefully find what I'm going to tell you interesting, even if maybe it's not normally your thing. Um, so the way I'm going to format it is obviously I am very, very excited about my new book, A Song for Lonely Wolves, and I am just wanting to, <laughs> I guess, waffle about it a little bit, um, but also hopefully in an interesting and informative way that I can cover a few different topics and some related to Korean drama and Korean film that you may find interesting. Um, so I'm going to begin uh, by telling you a little bit more about my book, A Song for Lonely Wolves. I will read out the blurb for the very first time on the podcast. Uh, so that's a bit of a reveal. I worked very fucking hard on this blurb. So I really, really hope that it's hooky and it's interesting. Um, I'd also love your feedback on it um, if you do like it. I guess if you don't like it, you can tell me that as well. <laughs> I might hurt my heart, but, you know, I'm all for pot like a uh, True feedback, that's fine. You can tell me what you like. Um, but I'm going to read out the blurb. Um, after that, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that, man, I'm not educated about history. It's not like I'm an expert by any means, but I do find it fucking fascinating, um, particularly Korean history. Korean history is so endlessly interesting. Um, obviously I write fiction that is set during the Joseon dynasty, which is a very different world and culture, um, than my own. So it's something that I have slowly over the years been learning a lot about. Um, and because my novels are set, um, particularly this book, my new one, A Song for Lonely Wolves is set in a very specific time period. Um, just in, you know, the last few years before a huge event happens in Korean history. So I did just want to set that scene a little bit and talk about the history behind my novel um, and you know this time period that my book is set in because I find it super interesting. I think it's very cool. After that, I'm going to talk a little bit about my inspirations um, for writing the book. Um, so for me, I, you know, I'm just, I get so inspired by Korean dramas and Korean films. So I'm going to talk about the dramas and films that really kind of, I guess, were the trigger point to wanting to write this story and also um, wanting to write this story with a very particular feeling and atmosphere um, because I was just you know, very directly inspired by some really interesting um, Korean drama and two Korean movies, actually, that I really want to tell you guys about. And then to finish up after that, I will then be, when this is a scary part for me <laughs> that I kind of hate, but I think it's, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to read out a chapter from the book um, just so you guys can, I don't know, hopefully be interested in what I'm doing and what I'm trying to say. Um, I always get really nervous kind of reading out a chapter. I've done it on the podcast previously when I talked about my first book, Promise Season, when it came out in 2019, towards the end of 2019. And um, it was, you know, it was pretty excruciating reading it out, to be honest. <laughs> I feel so self-conscious about it. But at the same time, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, I worked so hard on this and I do want to be proud of myself and I don't want to just, um, 
you know, brush it under the rug. I, I kind of want to make a big deal out of it because it is a big deal to me. You know, whether anyone is interested in my fiction or not, or buys it or not, or gives a shit or not, I do. You know, I care about it and I'm happy about it. And so I think I kind of just want to make a big deal about, you know, publication week and kind of give myself an online launch into the world for my new fiction that I'm just extremely proud of and so happy that it exists in the world. So that's the plan for the format of this episode. Um, normally when I give a plan for a format, then I just totally don't do that thing that I just said I would do. Um, so we'll see how we go this week. I'm going to try and stick to it. Alright, here we go. So I'm about to read out the blurb for my new novel and I am going to admit to you that I have a glass of port in hand so if my narration gets progressively more slurred, that could be the reason why. Um, but you know, it is a celebration today <laughs> of years of hard work so I'm, I'm celebrating. Alright, here it is. A Song for Lonely Wolves A Missing Woman a frozen body, a bonded servant girl determined to solve a mystery. Joseph Courier, Winter, 1590. At the foot of a jagged mountain range, an isolated village lies in muddy snow. From her bed, a young noblewoman vanishes in the dead of night, and rumours of a fearsome ghost with no face echo in her wake. Hard-working and dogged Danji arrives in the long winding valley with her own ghosts. As a demo, a tea servant of the police force, she is overlooked and undervalued. Yet this case has gripped her heart and she craves to prove her worth beyond simply cooking and cleaning for her superiors. She is determined to solve the mystery. With only the officer in charge on her side, a hard young man with a bloody past and secrets of his own, Danji must convince the local magistrate and his provincial policemen to trust her judgment. Yet with mistrust brewing, the investigation slowly grinds to a halt, until a frozen body is unearthed from the deep snows of the mountain range. It is not within Danji's nature to leave a mystery unsolved. Yet soon she discovers the fine threads of this investigation run much deeper than anyone has anticipated. A dark historical mystery set in old Korea and book one in the Joseon Detective series. So there you go. That's it. That's my blurb. I really hope that you enjoyed it <laughs> and I hope you found it interesting. Um, and now I'm going to move along to a little bit of history. So I did want to give you guys a little bit of context um, for why I've written this story. So as you could probably hear in the blurb, the main character's name is Danji in my novel, A Song for Lonely Wolves. And Danji is a demo or probably if you had a, you know, actually said it properly in Korean and didn't have my weird accent, you would say probably Damo, not Demo, but there you go. <laughs> um, so Dalmo were, um, so that refers to a class of servants during the Joseon dynasty that were considered to be lower than slaves in their overall ranking of within Korean society. Um, so Dalmo literally translates to tea servant 
And the idea is they, you know, were tea servants to the young bun class, which is the nobility class. Um, so it's, it, it seems that Damos were employed in all different areas of, um, you know, different government departments um, during the Joseon dynasty. But the thing that really hooked me and has fascinated me endlessly is the fact that historical records have proved that, you know, maybe it wasn't common, but at times, Damos were used as police officers. So obviously, with the police bureau being a government department, Damos would work there as tea servants. And I'm sure that that was a really shit life, as all historical lives generally were, because the world used to be really gross. <laughs> um, and, you know, still is sometimes. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> so Damos, um, you know, they would have to clean and do all the stuff for the police officers and bring them their tea. And But because of these really strict, um, I guess, barriers placed between the sexes during the Joseon dynasty due to the Confucius, I guess, um, system, like uh, for instance, men and women could not easily interact um, and different things like that. So at points like that in history, there are proven records that Damos were actually used as police officers to investigate crimes or to question witnesses or victims. So for instance, if a witness or victim just say she was a woman, but maybe she was a little bit high up and she was of a noble class. If you were a male police officer, you cannot just barge into the women's quarters and talk to any woman that you want. There are so many barriers to that kind of thing during those times. And so these are the points where perhaps a woman who's a damo would be, I guess, um, employed to go and question somebody or go and investigate something, um, perhaps even, you know, work undercover. And this is, again, it's a proven thing that Damos were used to work undercover on um, crimes. So perhaps pretend, pretend to be, you know, um, a servant, but be listening into conversations or be spying and that kind of thing, which is, you know, it's very fascinating. Um, particularly, you know, all around the world in the olden days, um, and Joseon is no different, um, women were very, very restricted. There wasn't a lot that they could do in terms of choosing their life path, um, choosing a career, choosing a vocation, owning property, you know, in a lot of cases like South Korea or, um, sorry, like Joseon Korea where slavery exists and these intense class systems, you know, like a lot of women wouldn't even own their own bodies. And it's, I mean, that's the way it is all around the world. It's, it's been like that for a long time, um, back in those days. Um, but it's very fascinating to then, I guess, come across these exceptions to that rule, I suppose, where you do hear of these these points in history where because they were needed because of this class system, um, these women were needed to go and be undercover or question, you know, other women. Um, but it, I guess in some ways that leads to an opportunity that is very unique and very different from the kinds of lives that were um, available to women back then. So this idea of a Damo who has, you know, a different kind of life than traditionally women would normally have during the Joseon dynasty is something that I became very, very interested in. And I had this idea that I would love to write a 
you know, a murder mystery, basically, um, in which a female detective or a damo in Joseon Korea has to slowly unravel a very complicated and sometimes, you know, distressing crime. And she has to try and figure it out. And not only is she up against, you know, a, a complex and confusing situation in which she doesn't know, um, you know, about the crime and how to solve it. But on top of that, um, my character, Danji, who is a demo, um, you know, on top of that, she has to face the fact that as a woman and as, you know, a damo who are considered lower than slaves in the overall ranking of Korean society, um, you know, she's very much so looked down on, she's not taken seriously, and it's very hard for her to operate in, I guess, in that situation and that framework and try and get, say, the local magistrate to listen to what she says and trust her when she has ideas or um, follow the leads that she manages to dig up while trying to solve this crime. So I found, I just find the history of it really, really interesting, I guess. And one thing that's also fascinating is that I guess the police force um, in general in Joseon society is very, very similar to the more modern police systems that um, a lot of countries have today. And this, this is a centralized police force. So for instance, um, in the capital city, um, at the time that my novel set, which is in 1590, um, Seoul at that time was known as Hansong. So in Hansong was obviously the palaces and the main government departments and the main police bureau or you know, different bureaus would be in Hansong. But then out in all the different regions, the rural regions of Joseon, there would be magistrates assigned to sort of head up their own little, um, I guess, government departments or government um, complexes where they have to, you know, investigate crimes and, um, you know, do all that kind of stuff out in the countryside, which is a very similar, I guess, framework and system to, you know, modern police. You have your rural police stations and you have the big ones in the city and everyone answers to the main, you know, national government system. Um, so I found that really interesting, just how many correlations there were between Joseon police and modern police, even to the point where Joseon police, you know, if they were doing a raid on a building, um, they would have, you know, like SWAT team hand movements like you know like a, a code pretty much in the same way that you know if you're watching a cool American SWAT team kind of tv show or movie and everyone comes in with the snipers and you know they hold up their fists to make everyone stop or you know do all these like complicated hand gestures to enable them to communicate in complete silence and this is a thing that the Joseon police did um which I, again I find really interesting and I just find it interesting to think about undercover criminal investigations occurring during the Joseon dynasty. It's very interesting to me to imagine, I guess, you know, obviously there would probably have been all sorts of <laughs> intense crimes, but, you know, I guess bringing down proper crime syndicates and things like that. So um, I guess a few more things about Damo which I think are interesting. So in order to become a Damo for the police force, um, these women who applied, I don't really understand how, if, how they apply exactly or if they're assigned or what, but there's basically um, a rigorous set of testing 
to find out whether they can be a Damo for the police or not. Um, so they say that they had to be taller than 150 centimetres. They had to be very agile and flexible. They had to be able to lift 40 kilograms of rice and they had to withstand large quantities of alcohol without getting drunk. How interesting is that? So um, basically they had to drink a certain amount of bowls of makuli um, and then if they could hold their liquor, I guess they could be an undercover sort of police officer. And so when I've looked up a little bit of information, um, it's also says, so the demo carried special identification that verified their authority and were equipped with a small iron flail that could be used to break down doors and rope to apprehend criminals. Um, it also says that arguably the Damo were the first female police with arrest capabilities in the world. Um, it's, yeah. So there you go. Um, the role of Damo in Korean history has then inspired, you know, Korean manhwa, Korean drama, Korean movies. Um, but at the same time, I would say that it hasn't inspired as many stories as I would have thought, considering it's such an interesting historical topic. Um, and, you know, in terms of stories, it has a lot of potential. You know, um, the crimes that Adamo could investigate are endless and fascinating. Um, so I'm surprised that there isn't more Korean modern media, I suppose, representations of Damo. Um, but I am going to talk a little bit about how I first came across the concept of Damo before I began to actually look into it and research it myself. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess the movies and TV drama or K-drama that really inspired me in writing this novel. Alright, so this is my inspiration behind writing a song for Lonely Wolves. So probably the first time I came across the idea of Adamo, um, you know, through TV or film was, I didn't watch this while it was airing, I watched it many years later, but it was during the, I guess the early years of me dipping my toe into Korean historical dramas. Um, it did take me a while to get into them, um, to get used to them, and um, I remember, you know, finding it a bit jarring at first because I didn't know much about Korean culture or Korean history and I'd never seen, um, you know, the hanbox and the gat hats and I hadn't seen these kind of clothes before or, you know, I guess that, that culture of Joseon Korea before and I, it took me a little while to get used to it, I suppose, because it was so new and different to me. But little by little, I got more and more interested in historical dramas or saguks. And um, one that I watched early on in my sort of <laughs> drama watching career, if you want to call that a career, <laughs> was a drama called Damo, the legendary policewoman or Damo, the undercover lady detective. Those are the actually quite shitty um, English titles um, in Korean. It's just called Damo. Um, so Damo was a 14 episode Korean drama that came out in 2003, so a little while ago as I record this. It's a bit unusual for a saguk because it is short, you know, 14 episodes is unusual. It was also very experimental in style, um, but from memory I think it went down 
quite well. I think that it was very popular and very well liked. So Damo, the K-drama, was based on an existing manhwa. Um, so a manhwa is a Korean comic in the same way that a manga is a Japanese comic. Um, in Korea, they are manhwas. So um, this manhwa was about a Damo, you know, police detective, a woman who was investigating crime. I haven't read it myself. I kind of wish I had. <laughs> um, and I watched this Korean drama, Damo, which stars Haji Won, who is obviously unbelievably famous, and a whole bunch of other people whose faces I think you'd probably recognize if you've watched a few dramas. But because it is a little bit of an older one, it's from 2003, um, you know, it doesn't have all the usual suspects in it. Um, except for Haji Won. So Haji Won plays a character called Cheok. And I I had an interesting relationship with this drama. It is very experimental. I think it's edited in a very strange way. The story is sort of sometimes told in a really strange way. And parts of it are just plain weird. But... The emotion in this story rings true and just sliced into my heart and made me feel all of the things. Um, so it, it was a very interesting viewing experience for me. And basically, it is a tragedy, like full on. And this this young detective woman, um, well, basically, she's a slave. Her name is Cheok, played by the actress Haji Won. And she has been sort of... She's in love with this young nobleman, but she is basically his slave. And he, I think, is in love with her too, but they have the whole class divide and, and the class system and this, you know, it's just too much for them to breach. And it's too much for her to even dream of breaching. Like she's not a modern sassy girl. Like she is beaten down. Like she's tough and she's strong and she can, you know, hold her own in a fight and get involved and, and do everything. But going against the class system or thinking herself worthy enough to confess her love is way beyond her. You know, Cheok believes she's useless, I guess. I mean, she doesn't believe she's useless because she isn't. She's, <laughs> she's super amazing at everything, but she has been beaten down to have that slave mentality. She is a slave. She's not a person. She's not a person with an emotion. She's not a person who can fall in love. And then, so I really, I really liked all those aspects of the drama. And I really liked the drama because it is so emotionally moving. But then there was this weird thing. So like the second male lead guy is like, he's her brother and they kind of don't know that they're like the long lost brother and sister for a while and all their interact um inter interactions are just like super like charged with with like um romantic tension i guess and i was really weirded out by that and um it's very interesting so i know that in the early years of um you know k-drama land and the hallyhoo wave <laughs> um that there was a bit of this like i don't want to say incest but you know like faux incest or step sibling incest or just some weird shit going on in the storylines i love that in modern k-dramas like that is gone that is not popular because <laughs> I don't need to see that shit so this drama was really confusing because 
I don't know if they meant it to be so like romantically charged between these two characters. Like, I don't know if that was a fucking mistake or what, but it's there. Um, personally, I felt it and I remember watching it and, and thinking some of their conversations and them, you know, they're both so destroyed in their hearts and they connect with each other. And it's so emotional. I remember thinking, if he wasn't her fucking brother, I would be shipping that so hard. So it's a very confusing emotional story. Um, but it's also very beautiful and it's also really fucking weird. Um, do I suggest you watch it? I don't even know. It, it's worth it, I think. And it's not hugely long. But it is kind of weird. It's pretty weird. It's a weird show. Um, but I suppose one thing that this show, um, 2003's Damo, did for me was introduce me for, to the, um, the concept of a Damo for the very first time in my life. I had not heard of it or knew anything about um, a woman working, you know, essentially for the police force. And I think, you know, obviously in this drama, it's probably way more larger than life than it really would have been during the Joseon dynasty. Um, you know, this character, Cheok, is, you know, she's a martial artist expert and she's off, you know, doing stuff and solving crimes and being, frankly, really cool. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure how realistic it all is, but I mean, that's that's part of stories, I think. You know, it's, it's fiction. It definitely is fiction and um, it is very satisfying fiction. So that's how I felt about this. And I think that really introduced me to the concept, which eventually, you know, I grabbed onto that idea and wanted to do my own thing in my own way. Um, so the next sort of big inspiration for me is, weirdly enough, um, Haji Won, after starring in this television show in 2003, um, where she played Adamo, she then went on to star in a movie called Duelist. Um, Duelist as in D-U-E-L-I-S-T, Duelist, however you want to pronounce that. Um, and this film, she co-stars with Kang Dong, Kang Dong Won, who is, you know, freaking great he's a great actor and he has a pretty face um and Haji Won is amazing in this movie so I guess for myself even though I really liked the television or the you know the k-drama um Damo for me really it is the movie duelist duelist whatever that really really crept inside my heart in a major way and again um do I suggest you watch this movie so this one came out in 2005. Um, it's weird as well. It is like a fever dream. Um, the whole thing is edited and chopped up and not exactly linear and scenes are missing and you have to connect the dots and some of it feels like a dream sequence and other points don't. Um, it is not, I, I would probably um, describe it almost as being an art house movie. You know, this is not your general linear type of film. But what it is also is um, from a cinematography angle, it is one of the absolute most saturated and beautiful looking films. Like it is visually arresting. It is gorgeous to look at. Um, and it is like every shot is a piece of art but in saying that it's not a clean sanitized kind of film it is dirty it is greedy sometimes it's a bit gross um, and it's 
weird. Like there's a lot of weird characters, you know, kind of character actors being weird. Um, so the whole film, and I love it. I really love it. So, I mean, if that sounds like your kind of jam, um, if you watch it, please let me know what you think. Um, I, I think it's probably one of my favorite films, although I have to admit I haven't seen it in a little while now. So this is reminding me that I should go back and rewatch it. But this, it, it had a huge influence on me. So in this one, which I have a feeling, and I can't see it written here, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, after the success of her K-drama Damo, um, which was based on the manhwa, this film sort of came into production afterwards, you know, as a direct result. And Haji Wan sort of picked up um, playing, you know, another Damo. Um, this time her character's name is Nam Soon. And there's a really interesting sort of gender role swap, I suppose, in this film in that Haji Wan plays this detective called Nam Soon, who is like she is tough, gritty, dirty, um, just an intense woman. And then on the other side, this guy um, played by Kung Kang Dong Won, who is just only known in the film as Sad Eyes, who is this kind of untouchable, ethereal, elegant assassin, um, you know, is sort of ethereally beautiful and, uh, you know, just clean and, and fights, you know, and I guess even their fighting style really sort of demonstrates that, that difference between them in that he's elegant and, you know, really technically amazing and she's just like, you know, barroom brawl kind of fighting. And there's a big um, a counterfeit kind of um, crime ring and she's trying to solve it and he's involved in it because he's an assassin who's basically owned by a big horrible nobleman. Um, and it is a, again, it's, it is it is a strange film. Um, the, the only way I can truly describe it is as a absolute fever dream of an experience. Um, but if you can kind of just go along for the ride, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. And that is duelist so again it was more the concept of Adamo of a detective in Joseon times solving crimes is what I really took away from this film and that really stuck with me for quite a few years after I watched it and eventually I came to the realization you know I'd already written promises in my first book which was about a gisang and I guess you know, maybe you can tell from these two books, I'm very interested in the roles of women in Joseon society, but also the slightly less explored ones, I suppose. You know, I've watched a lot of K-dramas and I've seen a lot of cool girl characters in um, historical fiction K-dramas, um, historical like period dramas. And I love it. I love all these girls um, in these shows, but also, you know, I've always felt that there is sort of I don't know why, but there isn't that many um, dramas that kind of really, really center around Gisang as romantic protagonists. And that's really what drove me to write Promise Season because I really wanted to explore that. And then um, the same with this, you know, I, I've only really ever seen Adamo depicted on screen in the K-drama Damo and in the movie Duelist and I was so hooked on the idea of it and fascinated I was like why isn't this a huge thing why isn't there more and of course since that time I know that there are a few other dramas that have come out that do have Damo characters um, I know Goara has recently played a Damo in a 2019 Saguk um, so you know it's not like it's not ever done but I suppose I find it really fascinating and it's not done enough for me to feel 
satisfied. So whenever that happens to me and I get hooked on something and there's not enough, um, that's usually the point where I start to create it myself because, you know, I guess I just need to satisfy that need. So these were definitely the two that the drama and the movie that got me started and got me to a point where after Promise Season, I wanted to write a different kind of story, a little bit more um, mystery orientated. Um, so I wanted to write a detective story. And obviously the idea of Adamo was there. So that's what I decided to do. And when I was at the point of trying to figure out what kind of feel I wanted my novel to have an atmosphere and what kind of story I wanted to tell. I watched a 2016 Korean horror movie called The Wailing. Now, I'm not sure if anyone has seen it. Um, like all Korean movies, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. I think Korean dramas are much less... I just I find Korean movies can be quite jarring. I do really like them, um, but sometimes I find them in terms of their pacing and their tone, they can be quite odd. Um, whilst Korean dramas, you know, I feel they're very solid and lovely, but, you know, I'm a huge fan, so I'm a bit biased. <laughs> but anyway, The Wailing was a horror movie. I think its Korean title was Goksong, maybe? Came out in 2016 and... I really, really liked it. But the thing that I liked the most about it was the atmosphere of it. And I remember watching it and just the atmosphere just slid over me and just sucked me in. And I was in awe of the atmosphere of this film. And I really, really was driven to try and replicate the feeling that this film gave me into my own work and into my novel, A Song for Lonely Wolves. So The Wailing is a horror movie about this basically useless small-time cop who's investigating some pretty fucking brutal gross murders in his little backwater, dilapidated, um, middle of nowhere kind of town, which is really tiny and a bit, you know, a bit run down and a bit gritty. And um, it has a supernatural element and basically is very creepy. There's maybe devils and ghosts and all sorts of things. But I guess by atmosphere, because I don't mean supernatural kind of horror, that's not what I mean by atmosphere. Um, certainly my book has no supernatural elements. It is a murder mystery and a detective solving this crime. Um, but The Wailing, you know, it's set in this sort of lush, mountainous little valley. And it's so isolated and it's the middle of summer. In the wailing and it's like this heavy thick humidity heat and it's just pouring rain and on the ground there's mud and you know the characters have to climb up the mountain and there's this really disturbingly creepy dilapidated rotting house up there in the rain and these were the kind of things that I really I guess took and gave my own twist so a Song for Lonely Wolves is set in the deep winter. It's set in an isolated mountainous valley in this tiny little village that is very gritty, very poverty stricken. And it is like heavy snow, but a lot of rain, which, you know, is potentially not exactly 
completely accurate for Korea in the winter because it's very dry, but I, I kind of went for atmosphere. <laughs> um, and it, it really, really inspired me, this film. Um, I think I've been waffling on about my inspirations for a very long time. Um, and that's probably because I had a glass of port. So I guess I will stop. Um, otherwise, this podcast episode will get insanely long. But I definitely think um, if any of those that I mentioned as my inspirations are interesting to you, I'd love to know what you think about the Korean horror movie, The Wailing, the Korean sort of art house movie, Duelist, and also the K-drama, Damo. All right, so what I'm going to do next is read out a chapter from my novel, A Song for Lonely Walls. Um, I always get embarrassed reading it out, but I really hope that you enjoy it or at least get something out of it. Um, and I should have said also when I was talking about the Korean drama Damo, I do have a review um, on that drama up on my website, which is very long and in-depth and um, complaining about a lot of the weirdo aspects of it, but also really fangirling over the very cool parts of it. So if you'd like to sort of, uh, you know, delve a bit deeper before you decide whether you might want to watch it or not, you can go and read that review if that might help you. Um, and now I'll get on with my weirdo reading of A Song for Lonely Wolves. stride through the darkness toward the black river, ignoring the winds rushing from the mountains now night has fallen, ignoring the chill in the air. I take deep breaths and calm my pounding heart, clutching at the yellow river grasses, dragging the plants from their roots and discarding them on the winding river pathway. Mansook stays behind me. I hear his crunching footsteps in the darkness. Walking more slowly now, I follow the trail carefully as it threads back up the dark hillside toward the government office. Soon Mansuk walks by my side and we climb the hill together in silence. It is happening again, like it did when I investigated the taxation corruption case. The threads begin to sink beneath my skin, pulling outwards and outwards until I must solve the mystery or leave parts of myself behind. I have always been like that. I cannot let things go, cannot step back and let things be. I cannot get that woman's voice out of my mind, the sound of it cracking with grief. The corruption taxation case too had victims. Yet back then they were poor farmers who suffered beyond my reach. Poverty-stricken commoners and villagers who I never met, faces I never saw. And even when the tangled mess of threads and pieces was resolved, it is images of hands in the snow and ginger taffy that haunts me, not the fates of those farmers. In my mind, the victims of that crime become tangled and twisted. Until I almost believe the one who suffered most could be a simple father who tried to make something more from his world for his daughter just a mercenary who was used up and spat out in a war between corrupt noblemen and the police, a man who was no one, who died in front of me and whose name I don't even remember. I stop suddenly in the darkness, 
reaching between the river reeds for Mansilk's sleeve, clutching the rough material tightly between my numb fingers. His walking ceases, his body growing still. Mansilk, I say, it's different this time, do you not think? Here it's too late to save anyone already. I peer up at him, wanting something, for I am thinking again of frozen hands buried in the dirt and an empty shell of a girl, all the life within her snuffed out. You will give up, he breathes, his voice tangles with the wind on the river. He misunderstands me. I shake my head. I want to find the truth. That was only a very short section um, that I read out from my book, A Song for Lonely Wolves. Um, so that is just a very small scene that happens about halfway through the novel, actually. Um, but I really like it because I think it kind of highlight highlights the main character's um, determination <laughs> and doggedness, I suppose. Um, once she gets hooked on the case, she kind of can't let it go until she resolves it and solves the mystery. Um, I always feel a little bit crazy when I read these things out. I chose to read a shorter section this time than I think I did for my first book on my past episode of the podcast when I read out a chapter. So I only read out really a very short section of a scene this time. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed it and I hope that it wasn't too weird um and I hope that maybe you liked it and maybe you're interested in the story if you are um you can have a look on my website there are links to where the book is available um and it's also on Amazon so it's available now it's published this is publication week very exciting oh I feel crazy um but it's available in ebook and also paperback um I'll tell you guys also I feel really weird like you know peddling my wares it's kind of a strange experience like trying to promote yourself I suppose um trying to make people excited I suppose and want to you know maybe be interested in the book and get it um and I guess I'll just say that I feel weird kind of doing that and so if it's not your thing that's totally fine too <laughs> I hope you'll just continue to listen to my podcast and we can talk about k-dramas together if that's the case I don't mind at all um, but if you are interested um, you know you can check it out on my website which is www.leeevy.com or you can check it out on Amazon um, in paperback or ebook and obviously my name is Lee Evie and the book is called A Song for Lonely Wolves thank you so much for listening to me waffle on about my fiction and for celebrating with me today about my fiction and it being published. Thank you so much. I can't express how much I appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> brings me to the end of this week's weird weird episode thank you so much for bearing with me while i celebrated the release of my novel into the world um next week it'll be back to k-drama like usual but i hope that you enjoyed this episode um my name is Lee Evie. I'm an author of historical fiction set in North Korea. My book, 
Promise Season is out now, which is kind of an adventure romance. And as of this week, my other book, A Song for Lonely Wolves, is also out in the world and it is dark mystery fiction. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I appreciate it so very much. You can check out my website and please sign up to my newsletter if you're hanging out on my website. That is www.leeevee.com. So until next time, over and out.